This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. Esprit Digital has been making and supporting custom display solutions for 20 years from facilities north of London. But the company recently took the interesting step of investing in their own manufacturing in China and expanding from LCD into LED. The company has built up a reputation for putting together displays, from screens that line subway escalators to sidewalk totems, that manage to look sleek but also have mission-critical reliability. Esprit has, for example, a major longtime customer in the giant Westfield shopping center chain, and it also works with big out-of-home media companies and retail brands. I was intrigued by news that Esprit was getting into LED displays, a market that's even more crowded than digital signage software. So I arranged a catch-up interview with owner Peter Livesey. I learned his angle is all about custom, or as Brits like him say, bespoke. Peter, thank you for joining me. Uh, We've done a podcast in the past, but that was, I'm thinking, I don't know, 1977 or something like that. So things have probably changed. Can you give me a background on what Esprit Digital is all about and, you know, really what the last couple of years has been like, because it's been a little bit nutty. To say the least. Uh, I think it was 1975, actually. But oh, okay. we, won't, yes. we won't split hers about that. Uh, so a you were nut- in your 40s then, I think. Ooh, are we going that? <laughs> are we going to spar straight away? Um <laughs> Okay, so what's there's a lot of questions there. So first of all, it's great to be back because I think that's where where we are now, and we'll come on to why I think we, as an industry, uh, as a world, are starting to to come back to where we were a couple of years ago. Yes, please. Um, and we're still here, you know, Esprit Digital. Mm-hmm. We're we're still going. We uh, we're stronger than ever. Uh, it's our twentieth. Uh, anniversary this month, so we're we're very proud of that. We're going to be doing some some things to mark that. Um, and the reason we're stronger than ever, considering our our customer base, our traditional customer base, kind of effectively shut up shop and put everything on pause mm-hmm. for the most part for the last two years, for all the reasons we know, is because we did a we did a strategic pivot. Uh, we uh, brought out a technology called InstaScan, which allowed people to get into buildings and get into public spaces. It uh, took the temperature, um, okay, and, it, yeah. and it worked really well. It was a, it was a cheap, lightweight item, and wall-mounted or freestanding. Anyway, we sold we sold thousands of them, made them all here in uh, in Stevenage, and it's just north of London, um, and distributed them around the world through people like Costco and. It was a good one, so that that's that's probably not the main reason we're still here, but it certainly it certainly didn't didn't harm us. Let's put it that it's a bit, way. Bit of a lifesaver. I, I, it's interesting because I, I in Q two twenty twenty, I saw no end of press releases from companies saying we're we're selling these things now, and I've not seen a lot of indication that 
there was a lot of take up, but you're you're saying it, it it went gangbusters for you. Yeah, absolutely, particularly in the states. Yeah, we, hmm. did, uh, we did a lot of a lot of big chains over there. It worked worked very well. Worked Maybe very well, but now because. Yeah, I, I probably just haven't seen them because I've been, you know, locked in my in a spare room for two years now. <laughs> in that igloo of yours, I know, I know. That's right. Um, no, but now we're back to what we what we really love, which is you know screen integration, um, our key verticals as ever. Digital out of home being number one. Screens that generate money tend to uh, tend to be the most interesting for us because everyone wants to push the envelope with every new project. Um, right, so they, they always want new toys in the box and new sizes and new applications, and it's great for our R and D team. So your company would primarily be known for uh, digital display totems, whether they're interactive or uh, "quote unquote" static in terms of not being interactive, but they're you know running video and all that stuff for street furniture for shopping malls, uh, that sort of thing. Is that, is that pretty accurate? Historically, it's always been malls, metros, and airports, inside mm-hmm. and outside. Um, they don't have to be totems or kiosks or pods, as we call them, um, but it could be any shape screen, as long as it's a professional solution that requires you know, a player um, and some other toys. Whether you talk to it by uh, interacting you know, with touchscreen or with gesture or now with voice, we have a lovely voice platform where you can talk to screens and they can answer you and give you all kinds of information live, uh, mm-hmm. particularly for wayfinding. That's an excellent application. It doesn't really matter. How you talk to them and, and what CMS you use and all of that is, is secondary. What's important to us is we, we design and build um, hardware solutions um, mm-hmm. for, as I say, digital out of home, smart cities, and latterly, in the last few years, retail. And that's one of the right. things we, we're going to come on to because retail screens, I think, is uh, it's set to be a boom. Uh, I mean, it's already now on everybody's, on every architect and design drawings. They've got screens built in. So regardless of where the retail is, if it's in a high street or an airport, it it makes no difference. Screens are a big part of the mix. Um, And and as I say, there's never been a better time to talk to your customers. You know, they've been gone for for a while. You've got online eating your lunch. It's it's definitely time to fight back with a much nicer experience uh, in store. And screens is a great way of, of starting, you know. Put a screen in your window, put the, make the content nice, bring people in, welcome them maybe with a screen or a series of screens and then have, you know, point of sale screens dotted around the store to, to give people kind of more micro information where, wherever they want to go while they're waiting for, for shop assistants to either catch up or to, to find out their, quer- their query. The, the last time I was at a trade show, of, of any size was ISC more than two years ago now. And uh, I believe I bumped into you there, but it, one, one of my takeaways from that trade show was I was kind of amazed by how many uh, companies in Europe had these uh, indoor and outdoor display totems. So they're, they they all had variations on roughly the same thing. How how do you compete in that market? How do you kind of set yourself apart from them? How do we set ourselves apart? We think we make the most reliable um, and the best looking kit on the market. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, it, it, they have they're highly stylized. Um, for instance, the new totem we've just put into the the Westfield Mall of the Netherlands is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, they're 
They're sleek, they're black, they are beautiful uh, ambient light uh, displays down the side and side strips. Um, they're double-sided 75s and literally... If if you had them in your home, you'd think it was a, it was a beautiful addition, you know. And they're in a high end mall, um, Westfield's first kind of digital transformation mall on, on mainland Europe. And you know, by all accounts, it, it adds to the to the uh, overall appeal of the mall. Number one, uh, increases Westfield's you know brand, enhances mm-hmm. it. I mean, um, and then the ad company, I think, is Ocean on that one. They they can sell. You know, they can sell on a beautiful looking totem. So we set ourselves apart by being competitively priced, by being uh, the best designed unit um, and it being reliable. And reliability is is key, Dave. You know, you can't put stuff out that is going to go wrong, uh, you know, in the first six months. You can't. So our track record, starting with London Underground, where we had thousands of screens on the escalators in the early 2000s, you know, they were on there for 15 years. Our kit, mm-hmm. stuff that we've put into Westfield, uh, you know, around the world, Australia. We're still looking after six, seven hundred uh, units in in America now, on a daily basis. So, so you know, these things have been in for, you know, probably since twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. um, and you know, they ju- they just by and large the the, uh, the fault rate is so low on them, and that is because we use quality components inside a sensibly laid out solution that for me looks and feels better on the inside than it does on the outside you know because yeah there seems to be kind of two streams of activity there there are the companies that are designing indoor and outdoor display totems that uh you know they're they're focused on uh almost making it a commodity commodity knocking them out uh, with a kind of a standard shape and everything else and, and putting in a commercial display and saying, here you go versus what you're saying. It almost sounds like you, you have to, in certain respects, re-engineer a display and, and, and really think through everything if you want them to uh, work happily in the field for many years. Totally. I mean, that's exactly it. No one else, I don't believe, in the world knows as much about the actual screen, the panel itself, um, mm-hmm. our guys that are guys in this building, um, and they know what's going to make those screens last and last. Whether they're inside um, in, in a in a nice cushy mall in a in a city, or, or they're outside in a desert in in Saudi, as we've done them, or or outside a a metro in Oslo where it's freezing cold. Mm-hmm. No one knows how to make those screens work twenty four seven, three six five. For, for five to ten years, and 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 they don't, and and that's 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 something that, as you say, will, will set us apart. What 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 is actually harder? Is it uh, Oslo or Riyadh? Well, any temperature extreme. You know, we, we've dealt with them all. I mean, literally, and sometimes you get both in one in one place. So in Oslo, you know, it's freezing cold for ten months of the year, and it's properly freezing. But for two months of the year, it's really warm. So you mm. have to have. The technology to be able to cope with that, and right. uh, and we've got it, and we can prove it. You know, we've got you know probably twenty thousand uh, of these kiosks out there around the world. We're still doing remote and physical support on on all the ones in in America. We've just delivered the uh, a new double sided outdoor sixty uh, five inch kiosk uh, for an upscale mall in uh, Austin in, in Texas called Domain. I don't know if you've heard of that one. 
uh, and that follows uh, hard on the heels of one that we did in NoHo in, in LA. So these are highly stylized, external, you know, full sunlight, uh, you know, full outdoor solutions that, you know, we, we don't expect to uh, to see again for 10 years. So, you know, that's, that's, what, that's, so you what, can, that's the thing. So you can compete on price and volume or you can compete on uh, reliability and design. And obviously the, the latter is, is more fruitful in, in probably many ways. Yeah, listen, we're not we're not a maintenance business per se. We support our kit around the world, um, but the uh, we're interested in making solutions that don't go wrong. So if you have a maintenance mm-hmm. contract, which effectively is your insurance, that you know if they get vandalized or there is a problem um, at any point, you know someone's there to, you know, within the SLA terms to to make sure it, it gets fixed. And you know we have SLAs of four hours sometimes. Mostly, it's it's twenty four or forty eight hours, but right. um, you know these these it, that's not the what drives our, our our business. Our business is all about reliability, and yeah, we can mm-hmm. compete on on all those other elements. And 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 really, the custom thing is what's the reason you know we're we're having this catch up today because the custom thing is what's driven us into um, looking at our own brand of LED, and this mm-hmm. is this is this is we've called it Lumos which has got some Latin connotation about lighting or something or other. But anyway, it's a nice name. We, we like it. We like it. And it's, uh, it's, 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 it's exciting because, you know, historically, obviously, we've, we've supplied LEDs for, you know, for donkey's years uh, from, from every manufacturer out there that's, that's worth anything. Uh, we've put up some really huge LEDs um, because our skill set, is that we can design and build the the solution that goes around it, all of the substructure, and we can put things up in hostile environments and um, make sure that they last. But where where there was the big hole was it was in custom custom LED um, and LEDs that um, just had a price advantage. It also had a reliability uh, to match anything that's out there. And Lumos has got that. We've got an enormous range. Um, we have um, we've brought it to, uh, into a factory in Shenzhen that we now control, um, and it's a fully automated factory that literally the, the planets have lined up because I think it's the right time um, to have made this move for Esprit because we've got a, a, a huge customer base. We're in 32 countries around the world now, um, and all the tenders that are coming out for the for kind of the big stuff, the smart cities and the digital out of home tend to have LED elements and LCD kiosk elements together. They're not doing them separately like they always used to. It makes a lot of sense now for them to go to one, a one-stop shop if they're happy, you know, with the service right. they get from Esprit. I, I was curious about uh, LED from the point of view of things like street furniture and the and the totems and other types of lcd products that you've done as uh led pixel pitches have improved and prices have come down i've i've long wondered whether uh companies such as yours would start to transition from uh what can be uh you know highly engineered uh needy so to speak LCD displays into uh, LED displays that are going to 
typically last longer and uh, are probably uh, needing less engineering to 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 keep them running in you know wherever they are did you see the market going that way or do you think there's always uh, going to be a demand for lcd because of the resolution and clarity and everything else that you get from them <laughs> that's a great question i mean i've got some i've got some micro led kind of point eight downstairs and it's, it's very hard to tell the difference um the, the, at the moment historically um led has always been for distance viewing and lcd has mm-hmm. been for up close and personal and that's kind of been the broad the broad differential and uh, that's kind of merging into a grayer area now where we can we can use led in a lot more situations and that will improve you know that will carry on evolving um, I think, you know, with LED, it's, it is a stable technology. We can offer t- uh, 10 years warranty, um, from the, from manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, we can now make them bespoke. Everything's designed in the UK here. Um, and the, the factory just kind of makes everything and we either distribute them direct, um, from China to the customer. Um, and then either they, it depends, we either work t- to do the installation together, which we're doing a fabulous one at the moment for the uh, for the World Cup in Qatar. I can't really mention it, but it's this unbelievable hotel that is the first, I don't know, six or seven, so whatever it is, it's the most expensive being built. And the atrium is going to have bespoke tiles um, mm-hmm. as, a, um, as an art installation. So you're going to walk into this atrium, you're going to look up and there's going to be an enormous uh, cone of uh, LED. So every tile will have a, a mirror, its own mirror, and there's hundreds of tiles and hundreds of mirrors, and they form this, well, what we think is the world's largest kaleidoscope. Um, mm. and, and all the FIFA officials for the Soccer World Cup at the end of this year are going to be wowed and thinking, crikey, how did that happen? That is hmm. some installation. So that, that, that kind of thing, it just, just wasn't possible a few years ago. It just, people weren't, you know, you couldn't do bespoke like that. And now, and now it's, and now it's absolutely possible. Good thing about Lumos is, we, you know, the last couple of years, we've kind of, we've had this on our radar for a long time. So we kind mm-hmm. of, we haven't launched it officially, but, you know, the list of the brands that are currently using it, um, and I mentioned retail, you know, we're talking about Valentino, Jimmy Choo, Dolce Gabbana, Fendi, Armani, Adidas, Prenton, as well All as the places you, know, the... you shop. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, but no, I mean yes, <laughs> yes and no. But the fact that they're prepared to to use, you know, effectively a new brand, you know, is a huge endorsement. It, it mm-hmm. really is of, of something that you know came out of a um, came out of a, an, an interesting idea that that we've actually made happen, and I think Lumos has got has got a real chance in the marketplace because as I say, it's got, it's got lots of things going for it. Um, and it um, does what it says on the tin. Hi, I'm Jeremy Gavin, CEO of ScreenFeed. Now I'm not put off by the fact that you're not listening to this podcast to hear me. Just like audiences to any digital signage, you give your attention to content you find interesting or helpful. That's where my company ScreenFeed comes in. Our sole mission is to make your digital signage network more valuable by making content that is more valuable to your audience. If you'd like to drive more attention to your screens, visit screenfeed.com to explore the 75 plus content options we've created to do just that. And then give us a call. Now, back to the podcast. 
When you talk about bespoke, uh, or as we say over here, custom, uh, what's the demand there? Because there's a a lot of, there's a lot, obviously a lot of LED manufacturers and they're all doing their LED cabinets that uh, are, are squares or rectangles more often. And you put them together and you can derive all kinds of shapes. Uh, so then there are the companies who want stuff that can wrap around columns and so on. So what, what, what's the custom demand that you're getting? Okay. So there's three, there's three verticals, um, that I see, uh, and that mm-hmm. is um, screens that make money, which we know all about. Uh, screens yep. that give out information, which you also know all about, normally in transport environments and stuff, and then screens for art. And uh, where those things are merging, that's where you—that's where the, the custom element comes in. Um, where you've got an odd shape, where, like in Westfield uh, in the Netherlands, we had to build a specific LED. Um, because um, where they wanted to put it outside the front door of the mall, there was a residential set of flats, and they couldn't get the zoning approved um, because uh, the this enormous residential block uh, made an official complaint saying, "Well, no, this thing's going to be too bright, and it's going to affect our, our lives and all the rest of it." So we built a special louver um, that meant that they never see it. So the, gotcha. the, the, light, the light source was streamed towards the traffic. And obviously, it's got uh, sensors, so it goes up and down depending on the ambient light. That's the easy part. It's been around forever. But the harder part was having these louvers that directed the light away from the, uh, away from the flat. So this is a very simple example, kind of a okay. spoke LED. Right. So if, if you just had a big uh, billboard-shaped sign that somebody wanted in a shopping mall they could buy that from you know hundreds of different companies and just tile together 40 or 100 or whatever led yep. cabinets and off you go but in in your case you, you're dealing with demands you can do those i assume but you, you've got customers who are saying yeah we need this to be curved or we need this to do this special thing absolutely i mean we've got We've got an advertising. Well, we've got a lot of advertising customers in the Middle East. So, companies mm-hmm. you may or may not have heard of. There's Al Arabia. There's Elan. There's Backlight. There's uh, Picasso, um, and they'll mm-hmm. put up they'll put up our our kiosks. Um, and now they're starting to put up our LEDs as well. And Picasso um, have been putting up some LEDs in some really fun environment so lumos now is in places like morocco jordan uh, we just put one up in baghdad would you believe in iraq so um there's, there's nowhere that now is going to be priced out of having a an led billboard hmm. uh baghdad that's okay. <laughs> you didn't expect <laughs> to be talking about that today did you no, probably not. I, I'm curious about your decision to invest in a, a factory in Shenzhen because th- there would have to be all kinds of contract manufacturers over there who would do the work for you and no end of companies who would uh, white label product for you. So why why make the capital investment yourself? Control. If mm-hmm. I said anything else, I'd be lying. You know, we, we need, it needs to be... You know, it needs to be just ours. Um, it needs to be the standard that we want. You know, we've got our own people on the ground there. As I say, we do all the designs here. Um, mm-hmm. And 
yeah, it, it needs to be just ours. The market's going to is is growing year on year. Dactronics just announced a twenty five million dollar yes. investment into their, um, you know, in into the into their manufacturing capability, and and they're absolutely right. You know, it, it's it, I'm not going to say it's going to explode exponentially, but it's it's certainly going to grow in, in a decent way because it it works. And that growth comes uh, amidst. I've heard descriptions that there are literally thousands of LED companies in China. Understanding that the vast majority of them just serve the domestic market, but it's it's not like there's a a scarcity of co- competition out there for you. <laughs> no, listen. Uh, unusually, when I was 24, I had a factory in China. It wasn't even in Shenzhen. It was miles inland, hours inland, making uh, red. Uh, a full color LED tickers that we used to put into shop windows. Uh, my brand was called Color Cell, so I know a lot about Chinese manufacturing, particularly in the LED world. And yes, mm-hmm. you're right; there are thousands of of, uh, of facilities. They don't all make uh, the tiles. So it's you've got to know what you're doing. It's a bit of a minefield out there. Um, yeah. But uh, I think we have the experience. Or I certainly have, um, and. The setup that we've got now will allow us to grow uh, a lot and very quickly. Um, and I think you'll start seeing the brand. We're well, already starting to see it with all, with all the major, uh, certainly the retail clients, the digital out of home aren't spending as much money, obviously, because of COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, um, had lunch with one of the CEOs of one of the big uh, one of the major outdoors in Europe yesterday, and he said, "You know, we're very close to 2019 now." And I know, I know, he's got a kind of a job to to keep spirits up and stuff. But I, I, I really believed him when he said that. And I think, I think, anecdotally, everybody's coming back. Everyone's going to be in Toronto for the uh, for the World Out of Home, then ISC, and then there's other events later in the year, DPAA, etc. So, I think, I think we're we're getting there. We're getting back mm-hmm. to to where we all were. I mean, it's just been weird not not doing any kind of business trips for two years. Is there more and more demand to do something special and different when you're doing something like a big LED display, where it's it's not enough anymore to just be large and be be this particularly large rectangle sitting on a wall or whatever. Um. For a lot of applications, no. I mean, it, it literally just has to do that. It has to has to look mm. good, um, and it has to work uh, for for the warranty period. And um, that is the primary function. But there's so many other factors involved, Dave. As you know, you've been to some of the facilities, and you know that if you put the wrong diode or even the wrong wire, you know, and you use a lower grade stuff, yeah, you're going to mm. make a cheaper solution. But is it going to be you know, is the, are the colors going to be any good? Is the contrast going to be any good? Is the brightness going to be any good in six months, in a year, in five years? No, it just can't be. Mm-hmm. We're talking about electronics here. Yeah. So, so you've, got to, you've got to weigh up. What's your budget? What do you want to achieve? If you just want to kind of start your business off and, and just get noticed and then upgrade it in six months or two years, then, yeah, you can go for a low-grade option. If you're a serious player who's got – you know, networks out there that you want to last and, and sweat for 10 years, then you've got to, you know, you've got to pay that extra 10% up front and get all the benefits down the line. 
Is is it a steady job to educate the buyers? Uh, I, I would assume the big established digital home media networks, they have lots of experience with this now. They You don't have to explain to them the importance of reliability and quality components and so on, but there's always a new subset of buyers that come along. Are, are you always having to educate? Um, okay, so this side of the pond, uh, JCDCO um, are probably the biggest dogs, JCDCO, Clear Channel, Global. They all have super experienced buyers who know all about quality and what they want to achieve with any mm-hmm. given network that they're going to put in. So, so no, that's it's less about an educational thing and more about keeping them up to date with any technological advances they don't necessarily know about. I'm just talking them through and, and they know that we're a you know, highly experienced um, operator who, know, who knows what we're doing. So, so those kind of conversations are valuable. New entrants or, or kind of second tier players, it's slightly different. Um, you know, there's a lot more hand-holding the newer the entrant to the market is. And in some cases, um, you know, like when we did Westfield America, for instance, uh, not for, for the LCD network, um, for all the malls over there, you know, their philosophy was, look, Spree have been chosen to do all the kiosk network, indoor and outdoor pods. Um, therefore, we're going to take their advice on everything from screen size to brightness to surrounds to glass to PC to absolutely everything. And then if any of them go wrong, it's their fault. They got to sort it out. And that, that, and that has, you know, that's worked really well for them. You mentioned a kiosk. I'm curious what the, public and buyer demand is now for interactive displays. Uh, I've I've written a number of times about how when pandemic first broke out, I I was wondering what's this going to mean for touchscreens? Is anybody going to use them anymore? And over time, we kind of learned that the risk wasn't all that great there. And uh, this is kind of an, an aerosol problem more than anything else. And touchscreen demand actually went up. Did you see that as well? Slightly. Um, back in 2012, there was a big thing called SARS in the Far East, which had this kind of bird flu connotation. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, and the Japanese were, in particular, uh, telling the world they're never going to touch, you know, they're never going to share screens in a public place. Um, and, and, and demand just, just fell off the, over, over in that part of the world. Uh, mm-hmm. And this time we had the same rumours after COVID that, you know, we wouldn't be using touchscreens for our wayfinding or for any other interactivity in store. Um, we're not seeing that. We are. We're still seeing demand for touch. But as I mentioned earlier, we've got two other good options: gesture, where you kind of point your finger and you zoom in and out with your finger. That's that's now using uh, camera triangulation technology, which is which yeah. is some fun and it's not difficult uh, to achieve. And then voice. You know, voice voice is a good one. Why not? Now we've got reliable. You know, the, the dialects was always the problem. I don't know if you ever had a sat-nav where you couldn't talk to it because you spoke in uh, in Canadian and the sat-nav only understood Welsh. Um, but yeah, do you know what I mean? It's, it, it's, and, a, it's an endless problem for me. Yeah, but now we're over that. We're over that. So, Well, maybe um, you are. Well, not me. I didn't. Uh, people <laughs> like Google and monster companies of no one can understand me. That's, uh, that's a given. <laughs> So what uh, is coming up for your for Esprit Digital in the next year or so? You're obviously going to be expanding Lumos. What's going to be coming up? We uh, have now got um, 
a team in America on the ground. So instead of uh, running projects from the UK and, and running sales from the UK, we have a new head of sales, Simon Joseph, who uh, ran uh, sales for Translux in the past, and he was an ex-Sky mm-hmm. TV em- employee over here in Europe. Um, and he's a vastly experienced guy in, in LED, and he's got a little team that now uh, making some good progress in the sports area, so stadiums and arenas and anything to do with oh, sports. Really? Uh, yeah, he's got a big sale for a hotel in Dallas uh, that's going to be going live later in the year on, a, on the PGA. I think it's the, the 18th hole of the, the PGA hotel, but I can't announce it yet, but it's a, it's a big one there. So he's got his hands full because I think America is still, you know, it's going to be probably the biggest market for LED in the, over the next five years. Um, and that team will grow organically. Uh, likewise, we've, uh, we've got uh, a new team in, in Scandinavia. Um, and uh, they, they, those guys are, are making new of themselves and doing some great stuff uh, over there. And, yeah, we want to get bigger. Uh, and uh, I think that will, that will happen. Mm-hmm. And, and when you say you want to get bigger, what's the size and state of the company right now? You're, you're privately held and how many... <laughs> folks do you have yes there's 30 people uh 35 in the in the uk office um we've got um consultants uh kind of consulting partners out in the middle east mm-hmm. in particular which is a very strong market for us um and uh you know but these people around the world as i say uh on business development so i think we're probably whether we double it in the next two to three years will depend on on, on the uptake on on Lumos largely, and also how how quickly digital out of home spring back because the biggest uh, networks for kiosks are you know they they are for uh, revenue generating screens. There's no doubt about it. Um, mm. And if you're going to put out I don't know five hundred or a thousand in a city, there's only a handful of players on the planet that will be able to fulfil those needs. Um, and we're one of them. So as they come back, you know, we'll win our fair share of those, um, and you know, we'll have to we'll have to gear up a- accordingly. Um, but the company's in good shape, uh, as you say, it is privately held at the moment, um, and yeah, it's it's all about it's all about getting the growth strategy right, having the right products, having the right people. Um, and one one mantra that we we live by is that it, it's much easier. Um, to get into Esprit Digital than it is to get out of it. Most of my people, I don't know if you read recently, our sales director, James Welder, he's just done 15 years. Uh, Angie, our projects director, has done 13 years. You know, that kind of level. Almost everyone's been here for uh, at least a decade. And these are all department heads who who run lots of people and have the most experience, you know, some of them in in the whole industry. Yeah, employee retention is always a pretty good indicator of things. Yeah, I, I like to think so. We we run a happy ship, and you know we've got we've got a lot of knowledge in the building. So when clients come down, we've turned this whole factory set up at, uh, in in Stevenage into a a bit of a a bit of a showroom. So you can come in, you can see all the different outdoor um, resolutions. You know, you, you can you can look across the the industrial park and see all our LEDs lined up, and then all the indoor ones are in here. So. You know, we want to get as many people coming over and, and having a look uh, as possible. We had a, probably our first uh, visit from a, a U.S. Uh, distributor. Uh, was it last week or the week before? And they came in, and I, I think I think they liked what they saw. And uh, you know, it all makes all makes a lot of sense. And talking to people who are passionate, 
who know about this stuff mm-hmm. and, and who don't cut corners and who will say no. You know, that this is the thing. We will say, no, you really don't want to have that glass for that application. You know, I know you want to save money, but if you just if you just hear us out, this is the way to go. You know, mm-hmm. this is the right PC. This is the, the right panel to use. Because on LCD, we're completely agnostic. We, we work with all the main panel manufacturers and we choose the right one for that application at that time and for your budget. Hmm. All right, Peter, uh, pleasure to catch up with you. Yeah, likewise, Dave. You you keep well, and um, no doubt I'll be seeing you at various events this year for for the first time in ages, and uh, we'll have a beer. Yes, it's, it's uh, like I said, I, I haven't traveled really at all since uh, Amsterdam more than two years ago, so it'll be almost weird to go to an airport. Yeah, or no, will, it, it will be weird. <laughs> yeah. No, All right, thanks again. Take care. Thank you, Dave. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 69, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 69 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at screenfeed.com. 169, the blog and the podcast, are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.